0: What does SP Global say about climate risks? And solar panels in space. Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Becosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and US-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, a climate communicator. Today is September 20th. Let's jump right into today's news. Let's start with some extreme weather events. While Hurricane Fiona was bearing down on Puerto Rico Sunday, 9 million people were told to evacuate as Super Typhoon Nenmodel hit the outer island of Japan, Kyushu. Two people have been reported dead as the Category 4 storm caused intense rainfall that spurred flooding and landslides. Nenmodel is considered one of the worst Japan has ever seen. It's now expected to make its way to the largest island, Honshu, in the coming days. Over to Alaska now, where the third of this trifecta storm weekend ravaged the state's western coast. Typhoon Murbach is the most intense storm ever recorded in the Bering Sea during the month of September. It formed further east than normal and was fueled by record warm waters in the North Pacific, which scientists attribute to climate change. Murbach hit villages that are already dealing with sea level rise-induced erosion. The typhoon dumped severe rainfall in the region. Time for a climate study. New research published in the journal Nature Geoscience has determined that man-made reservoirs are releasing way more methane than previously thought, and it's getting worse as the planet warms. Methane is 84 times a more potent greenhouse gas than CO2 for the first 20 years than are in the atmosphere. This study was the first global scale analysis to look at methane emissions from this source, and researchers looked at data and projections for 9,000 reservoirs spanning from the year 1900 to 2060. They found that while carbon dioxide emissions from reservoirs are declining from their peak in 1987, which was born from a massive dam building push around that time, methane emissions are increasing as more organic matter decomposes. Both CO2 and methane emissions connected to hydropower come from drowning vegetation as the reservoirs are built, and scientists found that methane from reservoirs actually accounts for 6-8% to 8% of human-caused methane emissions. That's quite a bit considering methane is responsible for about a quarter of man-made global warming. Now, the depth and temperature of a reservoir can dictate how much organic matter decomposes. Methane tends to stay at the lower part of the reservoir. The problem is methane is being helped into the atmosphere when water is drawn from the deeper parts of the reservoir. This means that there's a pretty easy fix then. The scientists found that varying where the water is withdrawn can reduce methane emissions. A recent study trying this in Malaysia found a 90% drop in methane emissions. We have a lot of climate victories today. S&P Global's new data analysis tool just ripped off the curtain while companies had their pants down. S&P Global's Sustainable One reveals that over 90% of the world's largest companies will have at least one asset financially exposed to climate risks by the 2050s. More than a third will see at least one asset lose 20% or more of its value due to a warming planet. This new data set provides clients with an inside look of how 20,000 companies' 870,000 assets might be impacted. Almost 10% of the S&P 500's total assets are expected to be impacted by climate hazards such as wildfires, extreme heat, and flooding. This is just the latest product of its kind presented over the past month. J.P. Morgan Chase, Finch Ratings, and Morningstar have released something similar recently. In other news, the Russian government received its first climate lawsuit. Russia is the fourth largest greenhouse gas emitter in the world, and no one had yet challenged Putin on his underwhelming climate goals. emissions reduction compared to 1990 levels by 2030, and 80% emissions reduction by 2050. This lawsuit calls on the Russian government to slash emissions by 69% by 2030 to reach 95% by 2050. Now is it likely that Putin is going to pay attention to this lawsuit? No. But the lawsuit was filed right before Russia removed itself from the European Convention of Human Rights, meaning it can still be ruled via that court this could result in the court pressuring the next russian regime after putin falls so we'll have to see if the european court takes up this matter over in the us oil and gas companies may face stricter penalties for emitting methane soon thanks to the recent climate law aka the inflation reduction act this law would impact any releases from wells compressors gas transmission lines and other equipment Firstly, the law would require the EPA to gather better data on methane emissions, something it hasn't prioritized enough before. Then, starting in 2024, it would charge companies $900 per ton for methane emissions, a number that would arise to $1,500 per ton by 2026. The satellite monitoring firm Kairos calculates that this would take at least $1.25 billion from fossil fuel companies by 2024, $3.3 billion if companies fail to implement emissions reduction mechanisms. Kairos predicts this even with West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin weakening the methane rules to only include about 40% of fossil fuel company emissions. The fee only applies to companies that emit 25,000 metric tons of CO2 equivalent a year, which only applies to the largest fossil fuel companies. The fee also won't apply to oil and gas companies that comply with the EPA's future methane rules expected later this year. The bill also excludes distribution factories that get gas to homes and businesses and offers some exemptions to pipelines and gathering facilities that sell volumes below a certain threshold. It excludes liquefied natural gas or LNG facilities that report methane leaks accounting for 0.05% or less of total gas sales. That's a lot of exclusions. The bill basically gives $1.5 billion in incentives to companies to clean up their methane emissions. But Kairos' analysis suggests that it will also be taking a lot of money away, too. Speaking of the climate law, there has been an interesting part of the law that I've held off mentioning because I was originally planning on doing a video update on it. But I think I'm just going to go ahead and mention it here. The bill specifically amends a Clean Air Act to define several greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide and methane as air pollutants that can be regulated by the EPA. This potentially renders the Supreme Court's ruling in West Virginia v. EPA void. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I did a video on that court ruling that I will leave a link for in the description below. Basically, the Supreme Court preemptively said that the EPA could not regulate carbon emissions from power plants because it wasn't clear the Clean Air Act gave it the authority to do so. So this is a very big deal because it gives the EPA greater authority to put a cap on power plant carbon emissions. When I first read this, I thought Manchin must have missed the language because there's no way a coal baron would have agreed to this. But the language was brought up during the voting process, with conservative congressmen openly objecting to it and trying to get it removed. Their efforts didn't work, thankfully. Fossil fuel-funded organizations will likely still try to challenge the EPA's authority to regulate greenhouse gases, but legal experts say they're going to have a much tougher time now winning cases. Harvard Law's Jody Freeman calls this language a, quote, powerful disincentive to new lawsuits. In other U.S. policy news, President Biden announced new plans to expand offshore wind through floating wind projects off the coast of California and Oregon and in the Gulf of Maine. Floating wind turbines are the newer technology that allows for turbines to be placed in deeper waters than fixed platforms would allow. This is useful for places like along the west coast, where the coastline drops more drastically than on most of the east coast. If you want to learn more about this technology, I did a video about it a while ago, which I'll link below. Right now, less than a gigawatt of floating offshore wind exists anywhere in the world, all of which is in Europe. But Biden has a goal of adding 15 gigawatts by 2035. The administration estimates that that would generate enough electricity to power 5 million homes. This would be in addition to his goal of installing 30 gigawatts of fixed offshore wind by 2030. The man likes offshore wind, and for a good reason, because wind off the coast is consistent, meaning it doesn't require battery storage like on land. So far, two pilot projects are planned for off Northern and Central California and off Southern Oregon. In other news, how would you like to be composted? Well, I have that option starting in 2027. California recently passed a slew of climate-related bills, which you can learn more about on September 5th's episode. By the way, the community solar bill did pass, so yay! One of the ones that I didn't mention allows for natural organic reduction, which places human remains in a steel vessel buried with wood chips, alfalfa, and other biodegradable material that decomposes within 30 to 45 days. The nutrient-dense soil can then be given back to family members or donated to conservation land. This method is less energy and carbon intensive than cremation and more environmentally friendly than being buried in a non compostable coffin or using chemicals to embalm bodies. By passing this bill, California joins Colorado, Oregon, Washington, and Vermont in allowing this option. I have a feeling I know which way Bernie's going to be buried i've got one climate fail today and it's also brought to you by california california allows oil and gas companies to use hundreds of millions of gallons of high quality water in its processes while nearby communities in kern county suffer from severe water shortages kern county produces about three-fourths of california's onshore oil supply so this mainly applies to this community their water is being injected into rock for oil and gas extraction Inside Climate News, which analyzed data from Geological Energy Management Division, or CALGEM, shows deep flaws in collecting data on fossil fuel water usage. As we know, the West is in the worst drought it has seen in 1,200 years, so this is especially not a good look. Curbing this was not included in Governor Newsom's recent plan to save water, by the way. That could have easily been recycled water. Let's finish today's episode with a piece of science fiction entering reality. The world's largest solar technology manufacturer, Longji Green Energy Technology, announced it would send solar panels up into space to test its product in a harsher environment. It wants to see if its solar panels can be used to generate energy from space to be added to the electricity grid down below. To test this, it will be working with the China Space Foundation and researchers from Xi Jinping University. Putting solar panels in orbit would mean that they would have access to the sun 24-7. Earlier this year, the researchers successfully tested a full-system model that's designed to transmit solar power from outer space by converting it into microwave beams that are received by a station on the ground and converted back into energy. The U.S., Japan, Russia, and India are also studying the possibilities of such technology. And that was your Climate Recap for Tuesday, September 20th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a 5-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Beckosphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.